And now, after years of planning, sweating, and going broke, here is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. And alert the media. Why they would give this man a podcast is anyone's guess. And there is what could only be a bizarre coincidence or something else. Welcome to the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belial. Track drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Country music and fine moonshine. You look like the vermin-ridden son of a bitch you are. A podcast for everyone in the good old USA and all around the world. Over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. Quality booze and country music at its best. So you're saying, can you set my country music award on fire? The music... Nice and loud. What we do is if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? Put it up to a 11, exactly. You can email the show at bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. That's bootsandwhiskeypodcast at gmail.com. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. All social media can be found at Boots and Whiskey Podcast. The show is great, even if you're sober. Well... My advice to you... Start drinking heavily. Jim loves his music and his whiskey. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. This is the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Great music, great booze, and fun, even for you non-drinkers. Y'all want to drink whiskey? <laughs> I'd like a Coca-Cola in a clean glass. Finally, a podcast that lets it all hang out. Let's level with America. Got your boots? Ready for some whiskey? These boots are made for walking. One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you. And now, the Boots and Whiskey Podcast with Jim Belisle. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Boots and Whiskey Podcast. As always, I am Jim, I am your host. Today we have Grace Maher on the podcast, on the show. Um, Talking to Grace was all so much fun. It really, really was. This is a conversation that has been in the works for quite some time. Um, Grace was actually one of the first handful of people I reached out to be on the show and with all kinds of different schedule issues and scheduling issues. Um, This was the earliest we could do, (laughs) unfortunately, or, you know, for her, fortunately, you know, because she's been so busy. Um, So Grace, thank you so much for joining the show today. Um, You're going to see in the next hour how much we covered. We covered everything from music and where she came from and how she was raised to um, what's going on in the world today and how it shapes us and all this stuff. It's very, very, very fascinating conversation. It was honestly, and I mean this with no disrespect, a conversation I didn't expect. Um, and those are always my favorite. Those are always, always, always my favorite conversations to have is the ones you don't expect to have. Um, so Grace, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your friendship. I, I appreciate our back and forths over the last several months. Um, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you and, and who you are. And as always, thank you to American Grit and Grace, Dirt Road Scholar Supply Company, Rowdy Roads, Afterglow Boutique. Thank you all so much. Um, I don't want to take up too much more time because this conversation is a great one. Um, without further ado, Grace Maher. And I keep saying Maher because, um, well, you'll see why. <laughs> Enjoy, everyone. Hey, how are you, Jim? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. So, so off off the air here, we were we were de- debating your last name and how it's pronounced. <laughs> yes. So I said Mar, like Bill Mar. Obviously, okay, I wasn't that's... sure how you say his last name. <laughs> oh yeah, well yeah, I because <laughs> when I see yours, it's it's spelled the exact same way. Exactly. So I was like, oh, that's easy. And I've been saying it all day that way. And I'm so glad I have been stood corrected, I guess. No worries. Most people say it that way or they say Meyer or anything else, but the way it's pronounced. (laughs) (laughs) Anything but the real thing, right? That's right. (laughs) So it's it's Maher. That's right. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here. I know this has been like, you know, you and I have had so many conversations of you being on the show. I'm so glad you're finally here. I know. Me too. So 
this is all about you. I want you to tell me who you are, what you're doing, how you got to where you be, and right. I will interject as, as it comes up. All right. Let's see here. Uh, well, I've been in Nashville for about six years. Um, I'm actually joined my first band. So we'll go back. Actually, we'll go back even further than that. So <laughs> how I got my start in music. Um, my family, I'm from a very large family. Um, I'm one of 10. Holy shit. So, yeah. Yeah. When I say large, <laughs> I don't mean just like kind of large. I mean like ginormous. Wow. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you, so where, where do you fit in that? Are you oldest, youngest, the middle? <laughs> I'm seventh. So You're I have seventh. a younger brother, two younger sisters, and then I have, you know, my older siblings as well. As, Holy crap. Five older siblings, something like that. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I, it's hard to keep track. Yeah. People will ask me, like, how old is Jennifer now or Melanie? And I'm like, hang on. I, <laughs> um, I think, let's see here. I'm this old, so Noah would be this old. So that would mean Olivia. <laughs> and I just, I do math and <laughs> take the closest guess. Yeah. Are they? Like, are you guys, guys kind of like clumped together? Are you spaced out? Um, there's about two years between everyone except for um, there's a little bit more between the last two, I think it is. Okay. Just like, like three years. So not, not okay. a lot more, but. All right. Yeah. Nice. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. I know. Right. So, so now that we've, now that we've gone completely off. off topic right. Right. <laughs> so, so you're one of 10. One of 10. We all um, used to sing together and um, all of us learned to play piano. Mom felt it was important that we all learn an instrument for at least a year or two. So we all learned piano um, a couple people learned guitar. I think because of some siblings playing, I learned a couple chords at one point, but that was it. Mm -hmm. um, I actually started playing piano about six by ear um, just because there was a soundtrack, Man from Snowy River. I was obsessed with horses. I mean, if you you, know, you see my Instagram stories, I still am. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, the soundtrack to that movie, I really, really loved. So I started picking it out on the piano. And then my mom was like, well, if she's going to start picking out songs by ear, I guess she can start taking lessons. So my oldest sister started teaching me. So I played piano for, I don't know, um, from the time I was six till the time I was about 20. And then wow. I didn't take the less lessons the entire time, but I would play almost daily. Um, we had a piano that was kind of by the sliding glass door when, when we moved to the country when I was 15. And I could watch the horses literally just run around in the pasture because we had um, 14 horses. Um, and I could watch them run and play my music and play my soundtrack songs from the horse movie. And I was happy. Um, we would sing together at home, in the car, on family vacations, at, on the beach, stuff like that. And every once in a while at church, like maybe once a year or something, I feel like it wasn't that often. Um, and every time, like it was fun, but I was terrified. So it was really nice to be able to blend with, you know, nine other people <laughs> and right. kind of hide that way. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until two years before I moved to Nashville that I um, really joined a band and started performing in front of people. Um, really loved it. Um, it was still a little terrifying, but as I did it more and more, I mean, as soon as I did it, I just, I had been praying about what to do with my life like I knew that I I was in marketing at the time um, working for a developer I liked it but I knew I didn't love it and I just it kind of had hit me like okay you you don't have to just do this you could do anything I think like yeah. maybe not be an astronaut or whatever but like you could do a lot of other things like what do you want to do um, and I was praying about it a lot and one day I just like felt really strongly that it was music and I thought that was so dumb because it takes so long to be established. It was already like, I wasn't a 21 year old. Um, so I joined my first band though, and started immediately doing one to four shows a week um, while working full-time in the marketing, had great group of guys that kind of taught me the ropes um, and then started my own band. I don't know, a couple months in um, just like, Inc. Magazine, the Kansas City Star back home, like did a whole, they did a cover story with me, like five page spread. Like it was just crazy the things that were happening. And then um, put out my first EP with that band, which was Grace Maher and the Wayward Sons. 
Um, it was fun being part of a band, but then I moved to Nashville to do it all on my, on, all on my own. Um, had a lot of learning to do here. There's uh, a lot of crazy talent in this town. And there, yeah. there, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by some incredible talent back home. But it just upped the ante moving here, and it made me really work hard. Um, and I, it was get better or quit. So right. I got a lot better. Um, but it still has been, I mean, it was up until recently, it felt like the hardest thing I'd ever done. Loved it. But oh, my gosh, was it hard. Yeah, <laughs> I was full time music until the pandemic hit. Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. So now I have to ask. Because yeah. I, and I think it's like the obvious question, right? Um, now, were you the wayward sons on purpose or was that just a, um, <laughs> you know, a, a little kind of a nod to home? No, um, it was, um, yeah, it was on purpose. The guys kind of helped me come up with the name. So um, I, I think they saw me as this really sweet, more innocent uh, Kansas girl who'd been raised in church. Um my dad was a deacon and an elder some some of the time growing up. He helped start churches. So that my song, Whiskey and Jesus, like when it says daddy was a deacon, like that he was. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, one of my uncles did, um, was dying of liver failure from alcohol abuse. So um, he's he's since passed. But um, <clears throat> so that song was, was true. Um, but th- I think they just kind of thought it was funny that I was, they thought I was pretty, sweet and they thought of themselves as rough and and they were like we'll be your wayward sons and I was like okay and because my name is Grace they kind of yeah yeah so you so they saw you as like a real life Dorothy yeah I think so (laughs) I mean but we were we were all in Kansas at that time but that was a nickname when I moved here I moved here I didn't know anyone I didn't have any work lined up um I started bartending I bartended for six months in Cool Springs area um and they called me Kansas or Dorothy yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. well I mean you know when you're in a place like Nashville where everybody's coming from somewhere like exactly you know (laughs) everybody is right right exactly it's it's very hard to find a native right Mm -hmm. um we call them unicorns yeah right um uh, so you so you when did you decide to pack your stuff, leave home and go to Nashville? What was the kicker for you to do that? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of, it's kind of a good question for me still, even at this point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) People had asked if I would consider moving to Nashville um, shortly into, you know, cause I jumped into doing music so much back in Kansas, like shows every week while working 40 plus hours. Um, And I, I was like, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, I have my guys here. I'm recording here. I'm playing shows here. I'm traveling some. I'm playing out of state. Um, why would I go to Nashville? Hmm. And then it, I just, it never was like this really clear thing that happened that was like, oh, I need to go to Nashville because the X, Y, and Z. It was just all of a sudden I'd visited with um, my guitar player, co-writer, producer, Skinny Webb, um, he's a phenomenal guitar player. Um, he and I, and his, uh, wife at the time, she since has passed, but, um, we went to Nashville to play a radio station. Um, and then the West Haven porch festival. And I think that time I thought it was cool and everything, but still had no, like, yeah, no, don't think I'm going to move there. And then I visited again for fun with my sister and my old roommate. And I don't know what it was. It was like, while I was planning the trip, actually even a little before that, because I remember it was like the day I picked up my dog, he's seven now, when I picked him up as a puppy, we were driving back to the house after I got him. And I remember whispering to him, I was like, you're going to be the only one that goes to Nashville with me. And then I was kind of like, why did I say that? Like, there was some part of me, I guess, that knew I was going to go, but I was not planning on it. It was, it was really like, it was just meant to happen. And it just, it just brought me along for the ride. (laughs) That's, that's incredible. Yeah, so That's eventually incredible. I came back and I told my mom when after the, the trip with my sister and my friend, I was like, Mom, I think I'm moving to Nashville. I'm like, I don't honestly even know that I really want to. And it sounds kind of terrifying. I'd always wanted to move away from home. I don't know why, I guess, just because I'm a, an adventurous person. Um, but it sounded terrifying to move to Nashville. But I just, some part of me knew that was where I was supposed to be. So I 
gave two months notice at my career and packed up all my stuff. I moved in with um, Cassie Joy, who we had met once in passing because she's from about 30 minutes away from me in Smithville. She was, I think, season 12 of The Voice. Um, She was on there while she lived with me. Um, And then Naomi Pugh, we didn't know her at all. I barely knew Cassie. We all signed. At least I was in Kansas when I signed. Cassie was in Michigan when she signed. Naomi was in Nashville. We like sent her our social security numbers for background <laughs> checks. We're like, well, I hope she's trustworthy. We've never met this girl. <laughs> she's still one of my best friends now, thankfully. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you all still live together? We don't. We lived together for two years. Um, and then I lived in Bellevue for about four. I just moved again. Um, and in Bellevue, Cassie and Brian um, would come and stay with me and my roommates frequently. So I told them they're going to have to come to the new place. They, they, when they found out I was going to move, they're like, you got to better make sure you have a guest room at the new place. You know, we come and stay with you all the time. And then Naomi and I, um, we still live close to each other. So we, we meet up as we can. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you ever decide, did you ever look into that road of the, um, the singing shows and, and all of that? I did a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think. I did the whole cattle call for The Voice one year. Um, stood in the line for hours and hours and hours, like pretty much all day, I feel like. Um, and finally got in the audition room. And I noticed the lady like didn't even, like, there was like 10 of us in the room. She didn't even look up. And she told us, she was like, I'm probably not going to look up. I just take notes, whatever. She only looked up for me and still there was nothing. And as I was like, okay, so we're leaving the room and this security guard stopped me and he goes, Hey, I'm head of security for Gwen Stefani. And I just wanted to tell you, like, you're really good, but they only have like, and he told me how many tickets they're allowed to give out in a day. And I can't remember what it was. And he's like, and it's the end of the day. They've given out other tickets. Even if they like you, there's nothing they can do. And he said, I would recommend doing a video submission. Um, and I was like, okay, so I did one and I was offered a private audition in California. Um, my car engine burned up at the same time and I would have had to pay for my own plane ticket. And I was like, um, is there any way I could do this a little bit later? And he was like, yeah, honestly, you probably wouldn't get placed. We've filled pretty much all of our country slots. Cause you know, it's a reality TV show. So right. it's all about the stories. They can't have too many brunettes. They can't have too many with right. country background. They can't, you right. know, it's, and you got to have something that they feel, I mean, sadly, a lot of times it's some kind of tragedy, um, but you have to have something that really grabs the audience because it's reality TV. So right. he was like, I don't think you would get placed. Um, why don't you just contact me in three months and we can go, we can, I'll get you an audition then. And I was like, okay. So I contacted him in three months and he's like, oh, I'm not a casting director for The Voice anymore. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> So um, I've had a lot of friends on there and it, while it can be really positive for um, exposure, there are some things with the contract that can be really negative too. Yeah. Um, you're not allowed to lease, release music for a long time after being on the show. Um, there's, there's a lot. Um, so, and if you're not careful, you can be kind of put pigeonholed as it has been once you've been on the show and didn't win or didn't get, a label deal after you got right right after you got off the show um i think cassie did it right because she didn't she didn't win but she really kept the momentum going um so it, it can be helpful uh my, my friend macy was on american idol um again she didn't have the story that they wanted they told her that um for to keep going um I worked with Chris Sly, produced some of my songs and co-wrote several of my songs with me. He was on American Idol. He was, a, I think, a winner back in, I don't even remember. But people who are big fans of American Idol, I'm sure will remember him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of people here that have been on there. It's kind of, I feel like most of the artists are just kind of like, yeah, it, it can be a good thing. And nobody's <laughs> probably going to turn it down if it works out but at the same time a lot of people are just like i don't know that that's the route for me it's right not always beneficial (laughs) yeah you know and it's funny you say that because you know i've had a few guests on now that have you know gone the route and done the Mm -hmm. thing and and all that and they say the same thing where it's like you know yeah it was great but you know hindsight and i i don't know if i'd do it again yeah well and even one of my friends um Stevie, she won some competition and got to sing on a big stage with Keith Urban. And then that was it. And didn't do anything for her after that. 
Right. Right. And and that, he's phenomenal. <laughs> but but you know, to that point, isn't that funny how how the how it works? Because you know, you could be really, really good and get that, you know, five seconds or five minutes of fame and yeah. nobody I, I don't want to say nobody cares, but nobody recognizes it enough to, you know, go after you or whatever right. the case may be. Yeah, there's just the pool of talent is so vast and anymore labels are looking for people who have built their own following. Um, So at that point, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't I just be an independent artist? I mean, it's it is great because then they pay for your recording and hopefully they put it out. Sometimes they shelf your records Um, and then they'll pay for your touring and all of that. So, you know, it, it is very helpful, but they really want you to have the ability to sell out shows. They want to see that you have already had ticketed shows that you sold out. They want to see how much merch you've sold at those shows. Um, they want to see how many followers you have and how much engagement you have on all of your posts. Um, it's, yeah. You basically have to be self-made for the most part anymore for labels to want to sign you. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because, it, and you know, it's <laughs> people that listen to this regularly are like probably sick of hearing the same stories over and over <laughs> right? again, but, it, but it's <laughs> Sorry, true. Guys. But it, no, but it's it's also super fascinating that it's not just a, you know, a singular moment where, oh, well, this artist just had that um, experience and it's, you know, right. everybody kind of has that experience because, you yeah, know, it's, it's pretty it, much across the board. Yeah. And, you know, even even when I started this whole thing, like I had, you know, a couple hundred followers at, at best, mm-hmm. you know, I would reach out to people because, you know, I, I, I came out of the I came out of the out of the ground running right yeah and I was like the hell I'm gonna shoot my shot at you know x y and z and you know I would get responses and be like well what's your numbers are like what are your numbers like what are your Uh numbers like and I'm like I literally just had my first episode yesterday (laughs) so like they're not great you know I'm not gonna (laughs) lie to you you know but like now it's once you get that traction and that following and you know the engagement it's you know, I, I'm sure as you know, like, you know, a lot of things start to open up once, once people see numbers, it's the craziest yeah. thing. It's kind of crazy. Um, there's a couple things in this town. Numbers speak really loud. Um, that's probably the biggest, but then also your staying power. Um, yeah. There are people that they don't even care to talk to you, get in a room with you unless you've been here about five years. Really? Yeah. And it's, that's not them being snooty. It's, um they want to make sure you're not you know wasting their time i cannot tell you like most of the people i met when i moved here that just moved here i don't i'm not sure i mean surely there's a few of them left but most of them are gone (laughs) yeah um and that's why in growing pains i wrote like (laughs) for years in the city where dreams come to die um because (sighs) i joked with another musician a couple winters in um about how we felt like nashville was a bigger gambling town than Vegas because people mm. like didn't just gamble a bunch of their money. They gambled their entire lives. They gave right. up everything to move here and try to, you know, get their shot at this. And then a couple years in, three years in, four years in, you know, usually it's two or three. Um, but even, you know, beyond that, they, they're so burned out. They're so beat down and they go home and their yeah. dream is crushed. And it's like, it's sad. It's so hard. And, and, you know, sometimes it's not as as bad as that. Sometimes they're like, you know what? I did what I came to do. This isn't for me. I realize that now. And then they go home. So it's not like everybody who goes home is, you know, just feels like a complete failure. You know, they may (laughs) have done some awesome things and then realize this wasn't the life they want to because it is a very hard it's a very hard life. Um, People think, you know, oh, everybody wants to be a musician and tour and travel and while yes it's incredible it's a lot harder than people realize oh i'm sure i'm sure you know it's it's a it's a grind Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not just uh you know wake up roll out of bed and hit the stage at nine o'clock and you know work for an hour and a half yeah you have to be really motivated and driven and there's the whole business side of it there's the networking side of it which is huge and then knowing how to network without wasting your time because I know other people that you know just be like oh I got a network and it was like well all all that's happening is you're getting wasted every night and you're not writing you're not (laughs) right doing anything else but they were just trying so hard to network and I've been there too it was 
first six months at least probably (laughs) (laughs) it's like I'm just meeting people I've got to meet everyone and then it's like whoa I gotta quit hanging out at the bar so much and write some music (laughs) so how has that been going for you the whole writing aspect you know, it's been going a lot better this year. I, it's interesting because, so when the pandemic hit, I had decided, I sang a lot on Broadway. Um, so I was full-time music for five years and the vast majority of that was on Broadway. And I would go out on the road as I could and tour. Um, it was very challenging to do because my income was so tied to Broadway. All the players that I knew, their income was so tied to Broadway. Um, so it was really hard to get out on the road, even though that was where I wanted to be. It was also hard to get out on the road because I didn't feel like I was expanding my repertoire of original music the way I should be or the way I wanted to. Um, And so it felt weird to like try to go out. I didn't want to just go out and play covers um, and like three originals. Like I I didn't want to do that. So I really needed time to focus on writing, but I was just continually so burnt out or my vocals were getting damaged constantly because I was having to sing way too much to pay the bills. Um, so I took a cruise ship contract in January of 2020. Um, Ooh, just, just in time for the biggest year ever. Yep. Yep. I was out awesome. in the Caribbean, um, from, I guess it was February 1st, um, till I can't remember. I was out for a month and a half. Um, and it was incredible, like very challenging. I lived in a postage stamp of a room, but it was my room all by myself. Thankfully no roommates, which is kind of rare for, um, cruise ships when you're under contract um i could eat anywhere i wanted in the ship i had free reign i got to use the you know the guest gym and all of that it was it was wonderful and i could be in port every time we ported i loved san juan it was incredible i wish i could just go do that again but then i would have to drop everything i'm doing here and (laughs) lose traction so uh, maybe someday but um i loved it so much but a month and a half in it was supposed to be a three-month contract um corona shut us down so they dropped all the guests off we were in lockdown for a couple weeks um and then I was sent back to Nashville and honestly getting sent back to Nashville was terrifying I would have rather stayed on the ship um because I knew on the ship I was fed and for the time being was still getting paid and back in Nashville everything was shut down my entire livelihood had been music for five years there was no music going on um, I wasn't going to be just handed food. Uh, I was going to have to be buying groceries, paying rent, no income. Like it was so scary to get sent home from that, especially because on the ship, we were a little cut off from everything. We had very sketchy Wi-Fi, So we would try to like check in, but we were cut off from the rest of everyone else. So we didn't know what it was. We were hearing what it was like, but we couldn't see it for ourselves. Right. Um, so it was, it was really a, a weird time and then went home and I got Corona like four days after I got home. I'm pretty sure I got it from on the ship. Um, stayed in my room for like two weeks and then just would like work out every day and drink beer and <laughs> moonshine. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was the weirdest time ever. You probably got, um, you, you probably got better a lot faster from doing that. Yeah. <laughs> The workouts, probably. I don't know about the yeah. beer and the moonshine. And, but... well, I mean, it, it kills all kinds of things. <laughs> That's true. I guess it wasn't even that. I mean, it was wine, too, and Jameson. I remember there were some people from the ship one night that um, saw me post on my Instagram story, and they were like, hey, you're up. It was like one in the morning, and they're like, we've been having a Zoom party with our friends from the ship, like, all day. So would you hop on Zoom? Like, we'll pay you to play for us. You have to drink with us. I'm like, I'm already drinking Jameson and I'm in pajamas. They're like, that's fine. So I did like a Zoom show for them at one in the morning. (laughs) It was just such a bizarre time. (laughs) That sounds so cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. But then I I got a job for working for an accountant, actually. Um, Very, very hard for me to be in an office setting again. But I did that for a year until I could replace my vehicle, which desperately needed to be replaced and pay down some debts. And then um, I actually now work remote um, as a recruiter for a global company. But I have found that by doing that, as much as I didn't want to continue doing something besides music, it has really freed me up to um, to write a lot more, to be more creative and write songs I'm actually a lot happier with because I'm not so burnt out when I go to create. I've been playing a lot more writers rounds, which is connecting me with more people in the industry and specifically more and better writers that are very happy to connect and write. Um, 
and it's getting me the repertoire I need to be able to tour with my songs that I feel really good about um, and not just be on Broadway. I'm, I'm not I'll, I'll pick up an occasional show on Broadway because it's fun to go perform, but um, kind of done being a cover band on Broadway and slipping yeah. in a few originals here and there. <laughs> well, so I got to ask you, because I find it very fascinating whenever I talk to somebody that is doing, you know, exactly what you're doing, you know, yeah. writing songs and doing your thing and all that. Do you, if, if the chance came to you and somebody said to you, hey, Grace, we have, you know, we have country superstar x that needs you know a song and we like right. this song would you go would you be willing to go that route if it meant foregoing the touring and the playing your own songs and that sort of thing would you just write for somebody if you could um at this point no i would never okay. i would never give up performing however i would not trade it for my own career but I would let someone cut some of my songs if it was a yeah. big artist and they wanted to cut my songs oh hell yes that just puts yeah. me on the map more right. um, definitely would do that I you know that gets my name out there that hopefully gets me um, residual income from streams um, better collaborations because people now know who I am like I would definitely do that but that like even like Caitlin Smith she wrote um, Tacoma for Garth Brooks she wrote Love You Like I'm Gonna Lose You, Megan Trainer. She's written some really big songs. And she was in town doing that for several years. I can't remember how long now. It's a lot of years. And then she has just in the last couple years or few years, I can't remember. I was at her CD release party. I've met her. I can't remember how long ago it was now. <sighs> 2020 threw everything off. I can't remember when anything was now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but she just launched her own artist career and has been putting out her own music now but her name is already well known in the industry because of her songwriting. Right. Um, so every, everybody's path is different. There's no right way for each person. Even if I tried to completely mirror another successful artist or songwriter's path, it wouldn't work because it's all so generic. Um, it's connections, it's timing, it's, um, it's, it's a thousand or a million different things that come into play. So there's no set path for anybody but um, yeah, I wouldn't give up my artist career at this point. I absolutely love performing. Um, it's just, there's something about, I love singing. I love experiencing the music myself. And when I really am fully experiencing it and enjoying it and delivering it, um, there's a certain energy in the room I can't even describe. And I'll feel it coming back at me from the audience and I feel like I come alive in a way that nothing else does for me. So I can't see giving that up. That's, that's great. That's, you know, as long as you have a, what you want to do and you're doing what you want to do, it doesn't really matter. I, I mean, yeah. I don't think, I mean, that's easy for me to say. I, I, I work, you know, Monday through Friday and come home and <laughs> that's all I do. You know? Yeah, but, no. Um, you know, but it, it's great. You know, when you, when you do play shows out and you are playing out, where are you, are you playing in town? Are you playing more of those writer rounds and the places off Broadway where you can actually play your own stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, lately, um, the last, I don't know, six months or so, I've been primarily doing writer's rounds and then some private events. Um, I would love to get back to some full band shows just because that's an energy unlike anything else. Um, but... I really love doing acoustic as well. And the, yeah. at least if I'm doing the writer's round in private events, I can play my, my own music. Um, and I, I just, it was time. I was like, I'm an artist. Why am I, why am I just being a cover band? Yeah, right. <laughs> I was no, like, yeah. I've proven to myself that I can do this. I've done it full time for five years, but it's not what I came here to do. So. Right. And I, and the writing piece too. Um, I'm, I'm loving getting better as a writer and really getting to explore some of my own ideas that I've been I've put on hold for so long because I just was so exhausted constantly and vocally damaged. So it was like, well, I better not sing today. Um, it's been really fun to do that. And to, I do co-write quite a bit. So it's been really fun to, to learn from other writers and get better that way. And, you know, I would like to, um, we wrote for another girl the other day. I, I like writing for other people too. Um, I like writing period, but I'm definitely going to keep writing for myself as well. Now 
you, you, this is perfect because I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Um, writing for other people, right? So like, mm-hmm. let's say like you were doing the other day, you're starting writing this song and you really, I mean, obviously you like the song you're writing it, but what if, what happens if you're like, damn it, I want to write, I want to uh, cut this song and put it out. <laughs> well, it kind of depends. Um, so I've actually, now that I've been here for so long, when there's newer people in town, especially um, other girls, it's kind of, I guess words gotten out that I will meet with them and, and tell them what I know. I, I didn't, I'm not an industry pro by any means, but it has been fun to kind of share the insight that I've gained in six years and, and stuff I wish I had known. So a girl asked me the other day, like, Hey, what do you do? What, how do you formulate these co-writes and how do you like protect an idea that you want? And they're trying to go a different direction. And how do you know who's cutting it and all this? And I was like, okay, those are really good questions. Like, let me think about my answers here. Like, what do I do? So I realized that anymore, when I go into a write, like I went into a write with um, Cassie Joy and Chris Sly several months back, it was Cassie's idea. And I had set up the write with her or for her with Chris because he was my connection that Holly had set me up with somebody else. So I had set up the write with Cassie for Chris. She was like, I want you on it too. I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love to be there. So it was me, Cassie, Chris. I knew that that was Cassie's write. So that song, it didn't matter. Like I can perform it at a writer's round. So can Chris. And I could ask her, Hey, could I cut this? Do you mind if I cut it too? Are you planning on cutting it? But I know that she has first dibs on that song. It was her idea, her right. So you always kind of want to establish that going into a right. Right. Like, who are we writing for? Because that also kind of determines where you go with the song. Like, because it was Cassie's song, there was one line that she said was really important to her that Chris and I probably wouldn't have put in there just because it wasn't the direction we were going. And then we were like, okay, this line is obviously very important to you. How can we fit it in? Let's shape the song so that we get this line in there and still everything's cohesive. And, and, if, and she's like, if it doesn't make sense, we don't have to do it. And we're like, I know, but let's see what we can do. And we got it in there for her. Um, and, you know, there may be tweaks to the song later, but that's kind of like when you know who you're writing for, you know how to write a song that's authentic to them. Cause it's really right. important as, to most artists um, to put out a song that feels like them. Like there was one song I was writing with um, Chris Lye and Mary Cutter one time and Chris said a line and I was like it's a good line but I have to be honest if we put that in there I won't cut it I was like it's not because it's I hate it it just it would feel so inauthentic to me like and it wasn't a tiny thing like I don't care if everything's like oh that's not exactly my story like it doesn't have to be every detail is my life exactly it was just something that was like really off brand off character for me and I was like I I wouldn't I would feel really weird putting that out as my song and Mary was like yeah no that's not Grace we can't if we're writing it for somebody else we can do that so we had to decide at that point are we going to continue writing this song for me and change that line or are we going to use that line and then pitch this song to another artist yeah you just kind of have to be aware of direction as you're writing right okay so that makes a lot of sense then to how that all works yeah because it's like I think about it all the time where you know Nashville and country music I think is unique in that you know a lot of people, especially, you know, the national touring acts, you know, they're not writing their own songs. Right. right. And they're, you know, they're taking from this person or that person or somebody writes a song for, you know, so-and-so, you know, and it's always very fascinating on how that works because of that exact thing, you know, you, right. you know, cause it's, you know, as somebody in the audience, right. You can tell when, you know, a song fits the artist or mm-hmm. the artist's image, I guess you could say. Yeah. And, you know, how, whether it seems forced or phony or, you know, you know, but it's, it's right. funny because the bigger they get, you know, and they start talking about or singing about working nine to five or, you know, <laughs> the, the hardships it is to, you know, have a, have a white or blue collar job. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, some of them may have had those at some point, right. oh, yeah, but absolutely. some of them haven't. I don't. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I think they're just trying to make it songs that are relatable yeah. for their audience uh, so that absolutely. they can enjoy those. But yeah, it is uh, kind of funny at that point in their careers. It's like, wait a minute, you don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. It would be like, it would be like Kenny Chesney at this point in his life or in his career. Right. Not singing about being on a boat or the ocean. It's like, I know 
Kenny, I know you're not on your big green tractor anymore. Like, you don't, right. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that is, a, that is a funny thing about an artist career, too, is you you shift and develop as an artist through the years and you kind of, you have to, you can't produce the same sounding and exactly the same sounding album year after year. Right. But it's, it's kind of tricky. Cause you're like, okay, the fans loved this one. Now I have to like grow into my new sound and hope they like that too. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm a big Luke Combs guy. I don't know if you can mm-hmm. tell that by my, my Instagram or anything, but, uh, (laughs) you know, big, like big time. Like I've been following Luke's career since before he really had one. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like, I, I see that with him where it's like, okay, the first album was great. And now the second album is great too, but it just seems like part two of the first album. And it's like, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do in album number three? Because it has to be, it can be similar, but it has to start being it has to evolve otherwise right. it's too much of the same yep but and it, that's, but it's that's also, what's so tricky is because yeah, you have to continue to evolve as an artist or it gets stale right but you know it's funny because like somebody like me who's such a luke fan you know the latest song he puts out and doing and doing this you know reminds me of that first album again and it makes you excited because it's like right. oh oh it's back you know that yeah. whatever little tweak has been had is is gone and we're back to what it was but it's like no you're you're still too new to go back to what it was well and maybe he was a little smart in doing that as well though to just um kind of give the give the major fan base that he has a little bit more of what they already love before he tries something new because he's been so successful it's it's hard it's hard to know what the right way is yeah Um, but but you know i say that in part because you know i kind of you know, I see that with you a little bit where, you know, you're the songs you have put out that are out there and available to folks. Mm-hmm. They're very different, but very good. You know, it's and they're all a little different from each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you you have a song like Liars that could be on, you know, pop radio. Right. And then, you know, um, Whiskey and Jesus, that is much more traditional. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, but, but it works and it works for you. Well, and one reason I did that, I mean, part of it's just like, that's, I like to write whatever I want to write. Yeah. And I felt like for a time I was be, kind of being put in a box of like, you are a traditional country artist. You sound like this person and this person just do that. And I was like, I don't want to just be in this little box. Like I like all kinds of music. I love Michael Buble. I used to listen to Frank Sinatra when I was a kid. I love Megan Trainer. I like pop music. I like really country music. I, I like it all. I want to be able to do some of each of it. Like, I love Marin Morris. I love You and Tequila by Miranda, which is so traditional country. I love Midland. I, you know, I, I like it all. So yeah. I finally decided I was like, I'm going to write what feels good to me. And I will do my best to find producers that help me produce it in such a way that they all have the sounds I want, but still sound like me. Um, and so that's been my goal and we'll, we'll see how well I've done at it. But, um, but yeah, like liars is super pop, um, or, or pretty pop growing pains is poppy stronger is a slow ballad, but it's pop. Um, I would say it's more pop and then forgot to forget you just, I don't even know what it is, but it, I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Love sick reminded me a little bit of the Megan trainer, Michael Buble vibes. Um, and then my next one that I'm going to put out, um, hopefully soon, it's been really delayed because this move, um, my place was supposed to be ready when I moved in and it's been under construction for over two weeks. Didn't have hot water for three days. It's washing dishes in a bathtub. It's been an adventure, but, um, when this gets all set up, I'm going to go back into the studio, finish my vocal for the next song set up who's shooting my music video get that done and then hopefully in the next couple months release the next one and it will be starts off soft then has some real heavy guitars i told them i was like i'm obsessed with hardy right now and his production so i need heavy guitars i'm sorry his songwriting is so brilliant like if i could write with anyone i would pick hardy yeah you know what he i think what he's doing career wise and you know, with the, with the Hicks tape and releasing a song mm-hmm. 
every week it's like it, it keeps you intrigued yes you know and, but you know and that works for him it doesn't work for everybody right right it works for him and he, i think some of that's because his songwriting is so brilliant and his melodies like they're great yeah yeah um, you know what or- one of my favorites off of this this current collection he's doing is the uh the song he does with Brantley Gilbert and Colt Ford uh, called To Hank. Um, oh, yes. Like that song from the beginning to end just grips you. And it's like, Jesus, like, yeah. how, how did you, how, how, how? Yeah. You know, and it's, it takes, you're right. It's, it's a gift to be able to write that way. Did you ever listen to um, Signed Sober You? Have I listened? I'm not sure. It's not ringing okay. a bell. I'm obsessed with that song, um, "The Rock" or "A Rock." So close. That one like can bring me to tears. Um, "Ain't a Bad Day." Like he's got so many good ones. Yeah. Um, but "Signed Sober You" is one of my favorites of his. It's just it's so good. I've done yeah. it live a couple times, but nice. Yeah, yeah, if I'm, I'm going to cover I'll songs, to... I'm going to cover the ones I like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't <laughs> cover yeah. ones you don't like. Um, that's, that's incredible. You know, I love hearing how, how the whole thing has been for you and in, in the process. But yeah, I, so I'm, I'm super I'm... excited to get some new music out. I've got three that I want to put out this, this coming year. So yeah, absolutely. And there, there may be more. So because I'm gonna be writing some more too. So I have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Um, now I'm going to ask a real cliche question because okay. only because you have a song about it. And All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. You and I are you and I are really from two very different parts of this country, right? I'm from the north. I was going to say, where are you from again? I'm in the north. I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know things are a little faster here. It's a mm-hmm. little more, you know. We'll tell you where to go and how to get there in a very nice way yep. with a with a smile, but not really mean it. <laughs> um, and you know, for somebody like me, I have an image of Kansas and you know that part of the <laughs> part of the country where it's very nice and it's very slow and it's very, you know, it's very whiskey and Jesus. Not to be cliche. No, I would say that's pretty correct. So how, is that really how it is? Is the way you describe it in your song where, you know, you have the line, you know, uh, I, I'm going to totally butcher it and I apologize, no, but, you're fine. you know, more or less along the lines of, you know, you have whiskey and Jesus running through your veins. Yes, I would say that where I am from and the Midwest in general is kind of like good old boys and Jesus, like we got our beer and our guns and our Jesus. <laughs> like, and I don't mean to offend anyone, especially no. people I love back home. Um, but yeah, it is. That's kind of a lot of the mentality there. Um, yeah. Now, so from being being from there and then moving to a city like Nashville, um, what do you, what do you contribute to that? Why do you think it it's still in 20, 2021? why is it how is it still that way do you is it a is it a pride thing is it a like a you know you're not going to come in here and change the way our life our lives have been for Mm. our history or is it just because and please don't take offense to this no 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 i'm not it's it's kansas and who the hell wants to move to kansas yeah no actually (laughs) so a lot of people think that and yep. I, I understand that, especially given certain areas of Kansas, but near Kansas City, it's actually lovely. And there's some really, really? cool, like it's one of the, it was a couple years ago, it was one of the, it was the top, one of the top nine um, tourist destinations that people overlook that should be a tourist destination. Like it's, it's got some really cool stuff. Oh, and we have incredible barbecue, great blues and jazz oh, yeah. scene. That's true. That is um, the blues and jazz scene is great. Uh, there was a ton of musicians. In fact, like uh at one point three of the guys in florida georgia lions band were from kansas city i knew two of them they were in my ex-boyfriend's band back when i lived in kansas um (laughs) my producer who works for chris young um he's from kansas city uh like it we have a great music scene we have we have some really great stuff um but yeah it does i mean a lot of kansas is flat not the flint hills they're super hilly um 
and people just kind of think it's all just farmland and, and nothingness and big portions of it are. But I think the mentality staying the same, I would say it's because there's been a lot of small towns in Kansas City. Some of it's pride in where you're from, which Mm -hmm. just happens wherever you're from, I feel like. Um, But I think it's because there's less exposure when you're in smaller towns to other viewpoints. And so when you come across one, it's easy to brush it off and just be like, well, whatever. That's wrong. Don't you guys think so? Yeah, of course they're wrong because everybody there has the same viewpoint because they haven't been exposed to all the others. And I'm not saying everyone in Kansas is this way. I know many people who are not. Um, But I know for me personally, it was really good for me to move somewhere else. It was great for me to go out on a cruise ship and be on a ship for a month and a half with entertainment casts that were from all over the world and get to hang out with them constantly and learn what it's like in London, in Ireland, in Scotland, in New York, um, in Jamaica, in <laughs> Brazil, like, and learn all of these other cultures and their view on politics and their views on religion. And it just, until you spend concentrated time with people of op- opposing beliefs, lifestyles, and opinions, you're not fully equipped to make an opinion yourself, I don't feel. Oh, wow. That's, wow. This has gotten deep and I like it. <laughs> like, well, that's just my opinion. I could no, be wrong too. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a very legitimate um, viewpoint. Absolutely. You know, and but until you've been exposed also, how do you know that you're not equipped? Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I try to have grace there as well. So, <laughs> you know, but it, it's funny, you know, because of, because of the, you know, I, I don't want to get too, political on this show because are are we going into risky waters here (laughs) see for me it's not you know because i have you know this sounds really arrogant people hate when i say this but you know my schooling is all in political science like i have my bachelor's degree is in political science like i've i've seen how the sausage is made yeah so you know for me it's tricky because you know living up living up here in the northeast it's very it's very one way it's you know it's probably the opposite way of what it is in kansas right you know not to put too fine a point on it but you know somebody like me like i try to be like okay yes i get what you're saying but what have you thought about this and like it's not it's not receptive or recepted at all yeah you know for the most part you know because it's like well you know well uh, you know whatever whatever the case may be and it's like well you gotta understand that 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 viewpoint doesn't echo for everybody you know yeah whether whether it is a positive viewpoint or a negative viewpoint it's not it's not for everybody <laughs> I feel like people would do really well to be more open-minded I think there's a little bit of a fear about oh, being yeah. open-minded because I think people <clears throat> People think they need to have an absolute truth on every single thing, even yeah. their opinions. And I, I, I just think if you feel so threatened by considering another opinion, then do you even really believe your own opinion? Right, right. Like you shouldn't, if you're so secure in it, you shouldn't need to be defensive. And that's what tells me that they really should be open to considering because they're obviously defensive for a reason um and i know because i grew up in this um but that's one thing as i develop my viewpoints and my point of view on everything i'm constantly like i will have a debate here and there and be like no i don't think that and (laughs) but for the most part i i'll debate kindly and then i go and think about it and, and right. maybe it's some things that I'm just like, wow, like that was a very narrow point of view and yeah. I don't really feel like I need to, but I also at least try to think about where they might be coming from and why they might think and feel that way and what they maybe haven't been exposed to yet that could help shape their views. Um, I try to be very open-minded. I feel like it's a really important quality that I wish more people would adapt and hopefully more will as time goes on. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because it's one of those things where you know, living up here, you know, you really get one, you get one, one avenue, really, you know, you really do. And I, I was home for most of 2020. It really screwed with me on a lot of Mm -hmm. different levels. Like, 
a lot of it was frustration. A lot of it was, you know, things just didn't make sense to me. Right. And I, yeah. and I took a lot of that to social media <laughs> and, you know, that dangerous. Even, <laughs> right. And that screwed me up even more to yes. the point where it was like, you know what? I am so passionate about certain things and like my views have changed over time. You know, I used to oh, be, you know, I I'll, admittedly so I used to be, you know, super, super duper, you know, extreme liberal, you know, when I was a teenager and early college and like, well, and I was super duper extreme conservative. So right. um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's, funny because it's as like, well. you know, cause I used to, you know, and this was a, at a time where, you know, things weren't like they are now, you right. know, one way or another, and you weren't seen as a Without lunatic. being so extreme. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I used to have friends that, you know, and I have friends that used to, older friends that would be like, you know, once you, you know, they would joke, once you become an adult, you won't have those views anymore. Right. You know, and, and I would laugh and I'd be like, ha ha ha, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because as I have gotten older and have gone through certain things and, you know, have a family and do all the, all those things, like you start to, sh- I, I mean, for me personally, I started to shift to the middle and it's like, mm-hmm. you're both crazy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you I, know? I, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> you know, you're, you're both crazy. And if it doesn't affect the five people in this house, I don't give a shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the point it has driven me to. And it's so crazy to think how, you know, that has evolved. Yeah, I I try to do my best to have reasonable conversations with people when it is um, appropriate, um, and state my case when it makes when it's appropriate, and then also kind of live and let live unless I see someone trying to uh, insult or offend or hurt someone else, then I'll I'll say something. But otherwise, it's like I have my beliefs. You are allowed to have yours as long as you're not hurting anyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Well, now that we've taken a total. total I know. What are we doing talking politics on it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know how it came. Oh, I know how it came to be. It's because I, I asked you. Right? You started it. <laughs> I did. I typically do. And you know, if, if certain people listen to this episode, they're going to be like, what the hell did you do? What did you do? And. <laughs> You know, but it's also one of those things where it's, it's topical. It's, you know, it is. And it's, it's it's funny because I have literally at times been like, what if somebody on a podcast or an interview or a radio show sometime asks me about politics? Oh God, no, please. (laughs) And and you just did it. And I I didn't panic. No, but you know what? (laughs) Even even if like, it's one of those things where I've, I'm really, I've really tried to even, you know, and I get shit for this and I don't understand it where <laughs> I I have a lot of friends with a lot of different opinions and views that I do, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I'm yeah. still their friend. But we live in yeah. a world, we're living in a time where it's like, well, if you associate with this person, then you must be this. And it's like, what, what kind of idiotic thinking is that? Yeah, I think there's you balance know, with that too. If someone's out actively hurting people, yeah, right. I'm not going to be their friend. If they have a, a view that I consider damaging, um, it depends. It depends on how bad it is and, and how they behave and conduct themselves in real life versus their views. Um, and then I feel like, especially because like, some of these might be family members for me. <laughs> right. Like I may completely disagree with some of my family members. I'm not going to cut them off. And right. by still keeping them in my life, I'm hopeful that down the line, they will be more receptive to understand why I think and feel the way I do about some of these topics and maybe eventually be able to shift their views as well. Right, right, right. And I agree wholeheartedly. You know, a lot of it is about actual conversation rather than... Right. Rather than just telling someone how they have to think. Right. That never works for anybody. No, no. Nope. Yeah. So, so anyway, now we went back to it again. God, uh, we did it again. <laughs> um, <but laughs> I don't even know where I was going. I don't even know what the whole. Like, point how do we climb out of this hole? <laughs> um. So, uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank <laughs> you for having me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no problem. I don't. I like. I don't know where to go from there. Um. <laughs> no, but it was good. I loved having the conversation. It was a lot of fun. I. You know, I love hearing, you know, because it's for me, it's fascinating to hear somebody else's views and how they've 
come to who they are. You know, yeah, that's I'm always down for real conversations. They're they're yeah, my favorite. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I think what you said is is perfect and I think everything you're doing is great. And I you know, I really wish you nothing but the best and all the success in the world. And thank you. Know, you. As, as I tell everybody, you know, you're not this isn't just a, you know, a business partnership. You know, I, I consider you a friend and I and I thank you for, for everything. Oh, I appreciate it, Jim. Yeah. And hopefully I'll have new music to share with you and yeah. and your people soon. I'm excited yeah. for it. Now I have two questions. I yes. got I got the two the, the only two questions I come prepared with are okay. one, what is your whiskey bourbon rye of choice? And two, if you wear cowboy boots, what who are they? Oh, let's see here. Bourbon. I've been drinking Buffalo Trace recently. Um Though one of my friends was like, you're an Angel's Envy drinker, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that was what I had in my room in a decanter bottle for a while, but I ran yeah. out. <laughs> um, I, I like I like those two and, and Woodford used to be my, my go-to as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I was going to say, I'm actually staring at my bottle of Buffalo Trace. Nice. We, yeah, that's what talking. I've been, I get one of those neat at a writer's round before I start. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So in season two, we're going to be doing, we, we like, there's a mouse in my pocket. Um, I'm going to be doing <laughs> in-depth whiskey reviews. I'm going to be doing videos. I'm going to be doing all kinds of things. And I have a couple of um, bourbons that are actually sitting in front of me that are going to be the first couple of season two. Nice. Um, so I have a bottle of Buffalo Trace that I've had a million times, right? But we're gonna for for our purposes, it's gonna be like an open it up and you yeah. know do 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 all the do all the fancy stuff. Like um, and then I've got a bottle of Yellowstone that I'm gonna do, um, which I haven't tried yet. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm even familiar with Yellowstone. Yeah, I hear it's really good. Everybody is everybody I've talked to is like this is like. This is the Cadillac of bourbons right now. So we'll, now we'll is see. it like Yellowstone, like the show Yellowstone? Um, I don't think so. I think okay. it's just a clever name. Of course, my um, name goes right, or my my head goes right to the to the show. Well, <laughs> well, no, yeah, I think it's a good place to go because I, that's what I would think. You know, that would um, be cool if they had their own bourbon, but yeah. Um, and then I have so there's another. Uh, this is a blended whiskey I have here from TX um out of texas and that's a bottle i can't even get here so they actually were kind enough to ship it to me we're gonna do that one too nice there's some in in kentucky i think it's like eagle rare and then what is the other one i can't remember there was i tried some at the buffalo trace um, distillery in kentucky i would love i would love to go there that's a that's a you should it's a really good tour yeah um so what about your boots? Um, yeah, I was afraid we were going to come back to this. I cannot <laughs> I tell you. They, my, cow, my cowboy boots are packed. Well, they're not packed. I wore them and then they got buried because I wasn't able to move in. So I just kept shifting boxes in the garage to get to things as I needed them. Um, right. I'm just about to be able to move in fully. So I don't remember what brand they are. I bought them so many years ago. They've been resold um, because I they were my... I wore them on the ranch. I wore, wore them at my parents' ranch. And then at the ranch, I worked at with like 50 horses that I helped train and barrel raced at and everything. And then I've worn them since. So they are so ancient. I cannot even tell you. I don't remember what brand they are. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you again so much. I know I've probably taken way more of your time than No, we, you're good. I left I, the I, evening I, open. I've got a glass uh, of wine. I'm good. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I appreciate you so much, Grace. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Jim. I look, this was I look fun. Forward to, yeah, good. Me too. I look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds good. All righty. Bye. Night. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Grace. Grace, again, my gosh, thank you so much for your time. Um, it was really great. The whole, Like I said at the top of the show, the whole conversation was a surprise. Um, I didn't expect really any of what we talked about um and it was a pleasant pleasant surprise so thank you grace so much now this girl not to not to sound cliche she she has a ton of her namesake 
she has some grace she has a ton of um light there's there's so much about this young lady that i absolutely love and adore and you know our friendship being one of them and her career being the other and you know so thank you so much for that grace um i i look forward to seeing you grow and seeing what happens with your career next um and thank you to everybody as always i hope you had a wonderful holiday season i know we still have maybe a couple more to go here um so again just keep checking out the instagram and the facebook and the tiktok and everything else that we're doing you know it's been a hell of a ride season two is coming soon um as of right now the episode one of season two will be february 1st maybe january 31st because i think that's a monday um I haven't quite decided what day things are going to come out because Whiskey Wednesday is going to happen. So if I make it the 1st of February, that's a Tuesday, and then Whiskey Wednesday right after, I think it'd be too much. So I think we're going to stop. I think we're going to do the Monday schedule. Um, if you have a better idea or have a different idea, let me know. Let me know. Um, I'm, I love input from everybody. Um, so until next time. Keep the whiskey in the glass and the boots on the ground. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us tonight. Till next time, cheers, everyone.